A reading from Genesis. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know 
that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you then get from the things of which you now are ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of our Savior. Praise to you. In the name of God, Amen. My name is Neff Powell. Uh, four years ago, Dorothy and I retired to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I had, we are native Oregonians, but I had for 17 years been Bishop of Southwestern Virginia, the mountains of Appalachia uh, in Virginia. And it's good to be home. Uh, this month, I was asked by Bishop Mark uh, to help out with confirmations. And so that's what I am doing here today, and it's a great pleasure and an honor to be among you. Dorothy and I have been praying for you all week. There is no such thing as a Christian alone. There's no such thing as a congregation alone. We are baptized into the body of Christ, and we support and uphold each other 
in our lives in Christ together with prayer. And I bring you greetings from your bishop. Can you hear me in the back? Okay, if my soft voice gets too soft, go this way. If it's too long... <laughs> I, do, I do want to say a, just a few words. I cannot let that first lesson go uncommented on. It's such a, a compelling lesson, it sort of overshadows everything. But a couple of things to observe. One is, when this was recorded, there were cultures around the Israelites who practiced child sacrifice. And God is saying, no, we do not practice child sacrifice. We do not murder our children. That is a big no-no. And secondly, it is, it is, <laughs> that there's a Jewish question that I ran across one day that's very helpful to me in grasping this lesson. And that is to ask ourselves as individuals and as communities, on what altars are we willing to sacrifice our children? On what altars are we sacrificing our children? And I think this is a particularly appropriate question to ask when we're dealing with issues of education and health. What altars are we prepared to sacrifice our children when we decide as a community how to raise and spend money on education and on health? I maybe have said more than I need to. Now, if you would open your bulletins to page six, and I'm just going to walk through this for everybody. The candidates will be presented, and they will be asked two questions. They are to re can reaffirm a renunciation of evil, to renounce evil, and renew the commitment to Jesus Christ. And all of this comes out of the baptismal service. This is reaffirming and reclaiming and proclaiming and claiming the promises made at baptism. Renounce evil, commit to Jesus Christ. Then you get asked a question. Will all of those who are, uh, will those who are witnessing these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? Christianity is not solitary. It's a group event, and we support each other in our lives in Christ together. Am I going too fast for you? Okay. Then, three questions. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? And do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? And the three answers are the Apostles' Creed, which is probably, possibly the earliest statement outside of Scripture and always associated with baptism. Okay, we've renounced evil, recommitted to Jesus Christ, committed to this, we're in this together, proclaimed the words, ancient words of the Apostles' Creed. Then we come to five questions which offer a, a roadmap, street sign, 
of a daily life as a Christian, as Christian individual and as community. One, will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? Read your Bible, say your prayers, and go to church, which is kind of a tall order all by itself. But it's also a quote from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which is a nice reminder that the Book of Common Prayer, which we have, is, what, 80-90% direct quotes from Scripture, references to Scripture. We have a system for reading the Bible, which you can follow daily to read the Bible over two years. Every Sunday we have assigned lessons where we read almost all of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, chunks of John, chunks of the epistles, chunks of the Old Testament, including stories, often in sequence. We do a lot of scripture in the Episcopal Church. And also, it means that you're going to hear Bible passages that aren't just the preacher's favorite passages. And you are perfectly free afterwards to say to the preacher, Oh, Bishop, that was a lovely commentary on the Old Testament lesson. Or perhaps you'll say, you know, I've just always been curious. No one ever preaches on that Old Testament lesson. So you can have a reasonable expectation you're going to hear lessons, including some of the unpleasant bits that you might not hear otherwise. We're deeply embedded in Scripture. Two. Will you persevere in resisting evil? Persevere in resisting evil. And whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. I don't have to tell you there's evil in the world. Sometimes it's in your faith, and others it's subtle and insidious. And we're committed constantly to opposing that. And whenever you fall, not if you fall into sin, whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. You take aim at the target, you don't hit the bullseye, maybe you miss the whole target. Try again. You're driving down the interstate of life, and you take the wrong exit. You may be in some wonderful countryside, you just aren't where you ought to be. Get the car turned around and try again. Persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Proclaim by word and example. Now, I grew up in Episcopalian. And we were taught, usually not out loud, but taught, that you live your life as a Christian Episcopalian by the way you live and behave at home, at school, in public, and at work. That is not bad. That is very good. But the promise is to talk about it sometimes. Because we traditionally have waited for other people to talk about it, and then people sort of drift in. I've been told the average Episcopalian invites a friend to church every about 25 years. So would you do yourselves and Jesus a favor by once in a while, not your Baptist neighbor that's going to church every Sunday anyway, but just every once in a while share your faith and invite someone in. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? The face of Christ, the face of God, is on the face of and in the heart of every single human being. Seek and serve Christ in all persons. However, who among us 
Who among us doesn't have just a little list rolled up, tucked away in a corner of our heart under lock and key so God won't notice that says, accept. Accept. And let's see up here. Whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Strive for justice and peace. We are commanded to ask, how come in this enormously wealthy country are we shortchanging our children? How come are the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer? And how come internationally the rich countries are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer? How come and what can we do about it? Now you can be very proud that your Office of Government Relations in Washington, D.C. about 20 years ago wrote a bill which they got all kinds of support for and passed to find debt relief for debt burden two-thirds world countries. So in a series of standards, many of those debts had been written off by our bookkeepers years ago, but continued to be a burden on countries struggling to build roads and schools. Good example, I think. Strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. Five questions and five answers for a daily life in Christ. I encourage you as individuals and as a community to take some time to ask, in what ways are we fulfilling this way? Because I know you're doing a lot of this already. In what ways and what are one or two things we could do to build on that? I've gone on long enough, so I'll just say one last thing. Just please remember this. If you don't remember anything else that the old bishop said, God loves you. God loves you exactly as you are, without reservation, more than you can ask or begin to imagine. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.